New York Artist Collective. And welcome to the New York Artist Collective podcast. This next one's about. This is the podcast where we interview a New York artist to talk about the creative songwriting process behind one of their songs. My name is Stephanie Manns, singer-songwriter and one of the New York Artist Collective producers. And today's guest is Blake File from folk fusion band Macabre Americana, here to talk about their new song, Oscar. Blake File of Macabre Americana, how are you? doing very well. It's Thursday. I went for a run this evening. So all in all, a fab night. So Blake, we're here to talk about your new single um, coming out uh, June 27th and it's called Oscar. So tell me about Oscar. How, how did you guys come to write it? What's it about? What was the recording process like? So we are a social justice based folk band and the music that we bring to the table either comes in two ways. One, one of us will bring a track that we've written to the group to sort of flesh out, or we'll write it together. In this instance, I brought Oscar to the group because a few years ago, I was at a restaurant and was eating with a friend, and our waiter was this man named Oscar. It came to pass that we found out by talking to him that he was about to go through a divorce and he was petrified of what would happen following this potential impending divorce because he was not a citizen in this country and he didn't want to go back to his own country because he feared persecution for being gay. So it really hit me and he wound up sitting down at our table and we all had a really good cry together and I left the restaurant feeling like I didn't know what to do and I didn't know what to say. It truly was one of the first times in my life where... I felt completely helpless and I felt like the privilege that I had as an American was inactive and something it, it was something I couldn't use. So I sat down at the piano and I wrote Oscar. It turned out that it wasn't just a song for him, but it was a song for anyone in this country who is an immigrant and has felt persecuted. What I find the most interesting component of this entire immigration debate that has been raging in this country since the most recent administration took office is that every single person in this country is, in effect, an immigrant. It really struck me watching someone suffer so much with so much fear. This was the only thing that I could do. So when we play the song, it is an immigrant anthem and an anthem for every single person living in this country because virtually we we are all immigrants that's the beautiful thing about this country and to shut anybody out is a disservice to the mission statement of the united states at least as far as we market it it's it's our way of saying how we feel and standing up for what we believe in i myself am an immigrant and i am very privileged having this accent and being white yes. in this country and yeah I'm very struck by the privilege that I have just on the basis of those two things and I think when people talk about immigration and I'm like well you know that does sort of include me too like oh no but, but it's different and I'm like well is it and I'm also struck about the Statue of Liberty and, and the words that are at the base of the statue. It, it's interesting that you bring up the racial component of this whole immigration debate because that's exactly what it is right this country is structured on uh, racial hierarchy, it kind of negates the immigration debate a little bit, right? The word immigrant, when a regular human walking down the street passes you, I'm assuming their first thought isn't, she must be an immigrant. Maybe when they started to speak to you because you have that lovely accent, 
it, it might change. But for you, if you just passed by, most likely people wouldn't think that. With Oscar, it's a little bit different because of the color of his skin, how he looks. And it is really interesting that you bring that up because I, you know, I'm not an immigrant, so I, I don't know how that must feel. And I don't know how it must feel to be you. I mean, have you experienced persecution since you've been here because of your immigration status? Not at all. I think because I'm British, I have this lovely accent and I'm white, um, people almost forget it. There's almost a, an entitlement that they think that I have. Well, of course. Side note, you know, like the branding of the British accent, you know, um, Americans, I, I just said it, I, it flew out of my mouth. You have this quote, lovely accent, because we revere the British accent. When, when an American hears a British accent, they think intelligence, they think wit, they think charm, they think someone who's well-educated. When you hear somebody who has a South American or a Latino accent, the game changes, you know? I just think it's interesting you brought it up. Accents across this country are very interesting. I mean, in the UK, we revere a Southern accent. We love people from the South. We think that is so adorable and charming. But I found in America, a lot of people consider, you know, the, the stigmas of, of having a Southern accent. Yes. What's funny about the Southern accent, we had this, when I was in college, I had this acting teacher, Amelia, and she was from Georgia. It was one of the first times in my life where I heard her speak and I just felt this sense of regality. She was just, there was something so regal and earthly about her because she had this soft Southern Georgian accent. But what's funny about her is she was definitely a Southern belle, but mm -hmm. she had a filthy mouth. So there was this sort of cross between this lovely Southern belle and then she would she would look at you and she would say, you know what, Blake, just fuck it. Just say it with me now. Fuck it. And <laughs> it was uh, I, that, it was really the first time in my life that I, I, uh, I fell in love with the Southern accent and I reevaluated how how uh, how I perceived people from the South, you know, it's because they talk slow and we equate quick talkers with quick thinkers and that's not always the case well blake how about we take a listen to the song and then we can have a bit more of a chat after sure this is macabre americana and oscar
Blake, that was Oscar. Now, I do find it somewhat striking that it's, you know, Macabre Americana and, and the nature of the band is, is political protest songs. And this is a song about immigration. And it is such an uplifting song. It has to be. We're living in a world right now that is so full of so much sadness. And I can't begin to tell you how much we feel that as a band. You know, it, it feels like every time we have a rehearsal, we come in and one of us has the news about some new headline. Mm-hmm. And it dawned on me that we needed something that was pop heavy, uplifting, and focused on getting people to feel good. Because the fact of the matter is, we're never going to win this battle if we fight it with a negative face on. We're going to win this battle by killing them with kindness and being strong and being ready to go. As, as difficult and tricky as the topic is, you have to feel the joy because if there's no joy, then there's no triumph. And mm-hmm. what we're constantly seeking in life is joy. I feel like that is the, that's the human experience is trying to capture that joy. You can't do that if everything is a bit of a dirge, you know? With Oscar, I just felt like, God, I gotta snap out of this. How do I snap out of this? And it dawned on me that music is really the truest of all the universal languages. It's something we can't really explain how it makes us feel. But we do know that when we're all in a room together and someone is playing something upbeat, nine times out of 10, people are tapping their feet, they're bobbing their head along. Even if they have terrible dance moves like me, they're still (laughs) moving their body, you know? They're still getting active. And through that activity comes that sense of joy. Changing hearts and minds through song and joy and love and music and all of that stuff. That's right. It's it's interesting when you talk about how to reach people and reaching people with music and you know when you think about civil liberties and and the history of this country and what has moved the needle and we're in the middle Mm -hmm. of pride month and it's world world pride world fifth world pride fifth i can't say that it's the 50th anniversary (laughs) of pride month yep thank you very much you know i think a lot of people forget that it started because of a riot that happened at the stonewall inn And I think a lot of people forget that it was a a riot that was started at the Stonewall Inn by a transgender woman. Marsha P. Johnson. I think a lot of people forget that. And that's just a total different side note that I, I fervently believe that this country is failing because it's completely run by men. And I realized a few years ago that I had started to really position myself at the feet of women because I, I think I, my entire life, I received the wrong kind of training. I mean, I was always expected to share my feelings and my parents were sort of ahead of the curve with that. But you can't ignore toxic masculinity mm-hmm. that's literally woven through everything in society. And so I had to deal with that growing up. And I still, you know, I still do things like I'll change how the tone of my voice, depending on who I'm talking to. Or instead of saying the word boyfriend, I'll say the word partner, depending on who I'm talking to or whatever, you know, it's just a shame. And this, of course, is a total side note and really has nothing to do with Oscar. But I do believe that this country would function so much better and Mm -hmm. be on an uphill climb the way that it was during the Obama presidency if we had women leading us. And so that's why we, we get so excited about not just me, but the entire band, we get so excited about people like Elizabeth Warren and Ocasio because uh, and Maxine Waters because these are these are women who are so smart and strong but they're also full of compassion that's the piece that's missing we could have an entire podcast about this administration <laughs> 
So just in terms of, of, of a bit more about the band. So you guys, from what I understand, you, you came together during college and what you guys write about are slight, the slightly macabre kind of stories, the, the unheard of stories. Um, and you're, you're here to tell those stories in a, in a new and imaginative way. That's right. So the three, so the three co-founders, Lacey, uh, Lacey, Laura, and myself, we all met when we were studying at school in Boston and after school was over, you know, lost touch, life gets weird, you know, people go their different ways, et cetera. But then somehow Lacey and I wound up living together. And after spending a couple months, I knew she was a musician, but after spending a couple months uh, as, as roommates, she just came into my room one night. L- Lacey's got a big personality and is afraid of pretty much nothing. Um, and she, she just came right into my bedroom and said, hey, I have this song. And I said, oh, cool. And she said, but I'm not, I can't finish it. I have this, this verse and this bit of a chorus. And so I, she sat on my bed and she played what she had. And we wrote the song together that night. And it was called, it is called Centralia. And that was the first song we ever wrote. And then a couple nights later, Laura came over and uh, I'll never forget opening the door to our apartment and Laura with her giant cello strapped to her back and she was soaked from the rain. And it was just uh, such an iconic moment with her beaming, just bright effervescent personality saying, hi guys. And we put the harmonies together and that's how Macabre Americana started. And then after it became evident that what we had, uh, was more than just this one song or friends getting together to play music. We invited Laura's husband, John, and Laura's high school chum, Willie, to join us. And that is how Macabre Americana was born. And I think it was, you know, obviously our friendship was hugely um, uh, instrumental to the band forming, but what really brought us together was this very, very serious interest that Laura and Lacey and I shared in sort of the wacky macabre side of history. So for example, we have a song called Centralia, and it is about a town in Pennsylvania who for the past 50 to 60 years has had a fire burning underneath it. And these are the kinds of stories that we find to be interesting. And these are the kinds of stories that are left out of the history books. And we like to ask the question, why? Why was this left out of the history books? Is it because it wasn't important enough? Is it because we didn't need to hear about it? Is it because it was hidden from us? You know, what? why didn't we learn about this? And so that is that is where the original intent of what we were doing um, was born. And then it became very clear through lots of conversation and uh, spending time together that we all also had a very passionate uh, uh, I would say addiction to social justice because we all ha- share very um, similar fundamental values and a lot of them just happen to be political. And so we started to branch out, not just writing songs about untold stories from the American history canon, uh, but also songs about songs of protest. And it's been such an amazing experience to get to play at events like the New York AIDS walk, which we've played three years in a row now, because for these brief moments, you get to just be surrounded by people putting their 
fists in the air and standing up for what's right and standing up for, you know, the marginalized and standing up for the voices who are often kind of set aside by journalists and the mainstream media. And that's been, it's been the joy of my whole life. And it's, um, I, I can speak for all of us uh, when I say it's been, it's been the joy of all of our lives is getting to stand up and sing what we believe in and share this kooky uh, obsession with the macabre and the darker side of American history for people from all over the world. Blake, I think we're, we're rapidly running out of time, but in terms of what Macabre Americana is up to in the coming months, um, I know you're releasing a new song, you're releasing Centralia, and then, what, so when is that coming out, and then what's next for you guys? So Centralia will most likely be July or uh, August, but after that we're taking a bit of a hiatus to do some writing, and we're going to regroup in terms of what we want to start to dive into the studio next. We are just about we just recently wrapped our residency at Rockwood Music Hall um and so the other exciting project that we're going to start to work on is because our music is so theatrical something that we picked up on during our residency at Rockwood the past year was a lot of comments from people noting how theatrical our music really was and so we took we took that to heart because the three co-founders all three of us are actors and we met in acting school and we are uh in the beginning writing phases of a musical that we're writing together and it's a musical about women over the course of history who have been murdered and never really got got a voice um because they were they were killed and so in in sort of a sort of like a Sondheimian way have you ever seen Assassins by Stephen Sondheim or heard the music of Assassins before? No, I haven't. So Assassins is a musical about people who either successfully or attempted to kill presidents of the United States. That's what it's about. They're all stuck in this purgatory. They all share their stories and it all leads up to this culminating moment where Lee Harvey Oswald walks in and the, the Assassins gang basically... Um, this gang of ghosts convinces Lee Harvey Oswald to kill JFK. And so in the spirit of that, but giving voice to the victims of crime, we are looking at murder victims from the American history canon who never got their own voice. And that's what the show is about. Well, Blake, that is undeniably macabre. <laughs> yes, it is. So good, good job. <laughs> you know, living up to the branding. Thank very you. Good. We try very hard. <laughs> well i look forward to to seeing that when it becomes available and when you manage to get around to producing it and putting it out um on stage when you do please let me know you got it we would love to to give you a shout out or have you back on the show so blake file thank you so much for joining me this evening um love oscar and i can't wait to hear centralia next month thank you steph i appreciate that Blake File from Macabre Americana there talking about their song Oscar and all of the new things that are coming up for them uh, in July with their new song Centralia. And you can stay up to date with Macabre Americana on their website, macabreamericana.com and of course on their socials, Macabre Americana. And if you can't spell macabre, you can look it up in the podcast details because I'm so good to you and that's what I do. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast already, why not give us a follow or a like on whatever podcast platform you are on? And you can follow us that way. We are also at New York artist collective on instagram thanks so much for listening i'm stephanie mans we'll see you next time 
New York Artists Collective.